as we approach the study of the attributes of God, we first ask, what do we know about the eternity of God from the Bible? From the Bible we have seen that the Godhead exists in three persons, properly designated the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Though they have carried on their separate functions of redemption and are therefore able to act independently, there is a profound unity in their characteristics and activity. A word that is commonly used in forming a better knowledge of the being of God is the word attribute, which is a description of some quality of being or character. It is a setting forth of something that is true about a person or thing. A personality is not a bundle of attributes, so to speak, but in such an existence is characterized certain qualities or attributes which are always there. Attributes may be in existence naturally or necessarily, or may be in existence by a constant state of choice or activity. They may be involuntary or voluntary, to say it in another way. They may be inherent or directive. For example, space limitation is an attribute of our human existence. We can be only in one place at a time. This we cannot help or have any control over. It is our very nature and constitution. And thus, we may call this a natural attribute. But there is another class of characteristics over which we exercise control or choice. We determine within ourselves what we are going to do with our personalities. Are we going to serve ourselves and seek our own welfare supremely? Or are we going to direct our minds heavenward and give the Godhead their rightful place? Since we have this option, the idea of blameworthiness or guilt and of virtuous action and reward enters into the picture. Or our action has moral character attached to it. Thus in describing any personality, two evident classifications of qualities arise. Attributes enumerated may be natural or moral. They may be a necessary part of one's being or a voluntary action. This twofold classification has been commonly applied to God. The first of the natural attributes to be observed from the biblical account of God is that God's existence is eternal or is uncaused, or to use the words of the psalmist in the 90th Psalm and verse 2, God is from everlasting to everlasting. Thomas Aquinas said, God is the first cause, himself uncaused. The prophet Isaiah said in 57.15 that God was the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy. From our natural observations, we have concluded that we ourselves had a beginning, and as far as this earthly life is concerned, have a termination. There must be a cause 
that is not subject to our temporary limitations, we conclude. We were caused or brought into existence by our parents, they by their parents, and so back through the ages. A point is reached in the long chain of cause and effect that a first cause is arrived at. This first cause must have had a self-sustaining life or an uncaused life. So the idea of eternal existence springs up in our minds. God being the uncaused must therefore be independent of our limitations. We have seen that the Bible overwhelmingly establishes the idea that time is an element in God's existence. This is what we would expect, for how could personality exist without an area to manifest itself in? God therefore inhabits eternity, and beyond this we cannot go in our thinking. The idea of eternity also springs up within our minds from the observed constancy of the many things and operations about us. If astronomers would be disturbed by a variation of one second in a century, the being back of all this cannot be subject to the laws of temporary existence, laws of nature that had been written for centuries are still found to be true. This must be the result of a constancy of existence that is independent of and different from ours. God must be from everlasting to everlasting. And so the scriptures emphatically declare. Let us read a few passages that assert this overall everlasting existence of God. For example, in Genesis 21:33, we have Abraham addressing God. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So Abraham called God the everlasting God. In Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 27, we'll read the first part. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. How tremendous are these scriptures as we view the great being of God. In the 41st Psalm and verse 13, we read these words. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting and to everlasting, Amen and Amen. And again in the 103rd Psalm and verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto the children's children. And the prophet Isaiah declares the greatness of God in the 26th chapter and verse 4. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength, or is the rock of ages. Here is a dependable being that always will be. And again in the 40th chapter of Isaiah, and verse 28. Hast thou not known 
Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. And in the 44th chapter and verse 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And the 48th chapter of Isaiah and verse 12, we also read, Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my call. I am he, I am the first, I also am the last. And then in the New Testament, Romans 1.20, we have the designation of God's eternal power and Godhead, which men are responsible to recognize from all the created objects about them. And in the 16th chapter of Romans and verse 26, we have this declaration. But now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, the everlasting God. And in Hebrews 9 and verse 14, we read, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience, from dead works to serve the living God. Here we have the eternal spirit. And in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 8, we have a conclusive statement there. And the four beasts, or living creatures, had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is, and is to come. So the scriptures assert the eternal existence of God. There are passages that assert the existence of God before creation. This is an elaboration of the overall statement of fact. And so in the 90th Psalm, in verse 1 and 2, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. In the 93rd Psalm, and verse 2 we read, Thy throne is established of old, thou art from everlasting. And in the prophecy of Habakkuk, verse 12 of chapter 1, Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? Here was a great confidence of the prophet. There are passages that assert the eternal future of God. And so we read in the ninth Psalm and verse 7 of this great and glorious future. But the Lord shall endure forever. He hath prepared his throne for judgment. Then there are passages that assert the everlasting kingdom of God. And perhaps we'll only read one of these in the 145th Psalm and verse 13 we read these words thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and thy dominion endureth throughout all generations and then there are verses that indicate 
the great duration and the great perspective of God as compared with our limited perspective. In the 90th Psalm, in verse 4, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. And again in Second Peter, chapter 3, and verse 8, we read about this tremendous perspective of God as compared to ours. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So we have a great eternal God as we come to read the Bible, and this should be a refreshing foundation for all our thinking. Our Heavenly Father, how we thank Thee that in the shifting sands of time and the uncertainties of life that we have Thy eternal being to come to. How we thank Thee that we may have our souls anchored in Thy great love and in Thy great existence. We pray that many may modify their lives in repentance and come to the cross of Jesus by faith find forgiveness and salvation and entrance into the glorious kingdom that thou art conducting and that thou shalt conduct forevermore. In Jesus' name, our Savior and Lord. Amen.